Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. I have a very special guest today, Professor Dr. Oliver Lazar from Essen, Germany. Dr. Lazar holds degrees in computer science and natural sciences of medicine. As a result of profound personal spiritual experiences following the accidental death of a girl, Dr. Lazar was pulled into the afterlife contacts, and today we're going to talk about it. Dr. Lazar, thank you so much for being my guest today, and welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Before we get into your experience, can you give us a little bit about your background? Yes, I can, Jeff. Um, as you already mentioned, I am a natural scientist, and uh, 43 years of my life I lived in this yeah, materialistic worldview. And um, I'm having a PhD in the natural sciences of medicine, and um, for more than 10 years I've been working as a professor for computer science, and I'm teaching algorithms, computer languages, and data structures. That's what I do. And um, yeah, especially during my medical studies, I had a lot to do with natural sciences, like wonderful sciences like biology, chemistry, biochemistry, physics, physiology, wonderful sciences. And everything that I was taught at school and at a university um, was that everything is based upon matter or material processes. That's what they taught me. So not only our body... Even our emotions, um, our feelings, our sense of moral, our love, everything is based upon matter. And I was totally convinced that this knowledge is assured because it was collected by PhD professors in scientific methodologies. So why would one ever question this? And I did not. So this was my worldview. But on the other hand, I was always open. I was not that kind of scientist who said... Um, I, I fight against spirituality or, or things like that or against religion. That was not me. I was always open for good arguments. And I think a good scientist should always be open for good arguments, no matter where they come from. Um, but spirituality never really was an issue in my life. Okay, I, had, I never had contact with spirituality. Um, but I never rejected spirituality. And I like to emphasize this because there are a lot of scientists who really actively fight against spirituality. They even organize themselves in skeptics associations. And I found one association even in the United States, as I have seen. We have here uh, one in Germany, one in Switzerland, which is called GWUP, as far as I know here in, in, in Switzerland. 
And these scientists really fight against spirituality. And uh, their goal is to reveal all the fraudsters and fake mediums who deceive their clients. That's what they do. But that was not me and that is not me. Of course, there are, there are also fraudsters. Yes, there are. But there are also very talented and reputable providers in this field of spirituality. But it's not always easy to recognize them. Okay, so, but I, I am different. I have always been open to good arguments. Uh, but as I already said, I never really had contact with spirituality. Would it be safe to say that you were an atheist? No, no. I wouldn't say. I, I just didn't care about this topic. Because there were other things in my life that I was interested in. I never really thought about, is there a God or is there no God or can I prove God? It never was an issue in my life. Absolutely not. It sounded like you were open to spirituality, but it appears that you weren't a spiritual person. You had no interest. Is that correct? Um, yeah, that's correct. But my wife was interested in, in spiritual topics. So she always read books about these kind of things. And sometimes uh, I, um, I, I also had taken a look into the, her books and I was uh, zipping. Did you say zipping in, 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 yeah, in we, English we may, on TV? We, <laughs> zipping, uh, we may say browsing, or okay, skimming. Browsing. And sometimes you, you have a TV show where they're talking about near-death experiences or reincarnation. And I found it quite interesting, but I ne never really thought about it all day long okay mm -hmm. I, I just thought okay maybe it could be it's interesting but now i'm doing something else <laughs> so mm -hmm. that was my life 43 years so basically you had a life of academia and you were completely into science you weren't really that interested into spirituality and as far as you're concerned everything that has to do with the body including mental processes emotions was all physical yes i would agree yeah. All right. So what because why should why should I question these kind of things? Because I have learned it at school, at universities, and there were PhD professors who have taught me all these these assured uh, things. Mm. So why should I question this? And yeah. so it was some. It was kind of of uh, this is this is assured knowledge. That's it. It's almost like saying why question the religion of science. Um, I would agree by now that science really is some kind of religion. And this is what I describe also in my book. There is really a large part in my book where I question things like abiogenesis, evolution and things like that. Because when you really take close, a close look at many things, for example, how life began and how life evolved, there are so many open questions that you cannot answer. And our science just says it must have been so because otherwise there can't be Darwinism or something right. like that. Right. Um, but now I'm aware of this. Right. Just because of my spiritual awakening. But before this event, I, I was not interesting, interested in questioning these topics. To me, it also makes perfect sense that a scientist like you would never question it unless they had a spiritual awakening somehow a scientist obviously needs to have i call it a kick uh, kick, kicking the ass in the spirit yeah. the spiritual ass okay <laughs> a scientist um 
needs an experience like this, like a near-death experience or something like that, to start researching spirituality. And so it was in my case as well. All right. Well, if you don't mind, let's move on to your spiritual awakening and what happened. Okay. Well, it was the 9th of October, 2017. And yeah, this, this experience really completely turned my life upside down. I, I was driving my then 13 years old daughter to school and we witnessed a car accident, a fatal car accident. Uh, um, there was this huge concrete mixer truck turning right and due to a blind spot, the driver didn't see a girl riding her bicycle and the truck ran over her. And that girl was uh, one of my daughter's classmates. Her name was Joma, which is the short form for Johanna Maria, but everybody called her Joma. And we arrived there shortly after the accident, maybe a few seconds or minutes after the accident. And we didn't really recognize her, um, that it really was Joma. We just um, uh, became aware of it in the afternoon. And... The moment I found out that Joma was dead because she died uh, in that accident, and the moment I found out that Joma is dead, I felt such a deep grief that I have never felt before in my life. And it was it was a grief that yeah pulled the ground out from under my feet. It it felt just like as if I had lost my own daughter. It has my it has torn my heart apart. And yeah, of course. Now you might say, Oliver, okay, this is natural. This is a normal reaction. This is usual empathy. And to a certain point, I would agree. But what I felt really went far, far beyond. And my family didn't recognize me anymore because I really became depressed. I became silent. I have withdrawn. And it all felt really weird. So because, or why was it weird for me? Because I didn't know that girl at all. She was a complete stranger to me. I had contact with almost every other child of my daughter's class, but I never had contact to Joma. So she really was a complete stranger to me and even her family. But there was this brief moment at a school event that I can remember by now, where we passed each other and our eyes met for a split second. And I didn't know that I had a memory Um, of this moment. But after her passing, this event was somehow brought to the front of my mind. Absolutely clear, every day. So although she she was a complete stranger to me, I, I felt an incredibly deep connection with her and I couldn't explain it to myself why it was like that. Hmm. And now comes my spiritual awakening. Okay, it was about three or four weeks after the accident. I, I was sitting here in my office on on the sofa and I, I really was very, very sad. And I just sat down and, and I closed my eyes and I was thinking of Joma. I was thinking of the accident. I reflected the whole situation and I was, was thinking of her parents. And yeah, what then happened is very difficult to describe. I can hardly find words to describe my experience. And in my book, I wrote that there are no adjectives in all the languages of this world that could even come close to describing what I felt at the moment. And it all starts with an inner vibration. 
and I had goosebumps only on the left side of my body. And these goosebumps were running up and down. So it started in my hairs, just like as if, if someone would, would pull my hair or grab my hair. And then it was running down my cheeks, my arm, my back, my legs, down to my feet and up and down again, only on the left side. And I never have felt something like that before in my life. And then I was flooded with an infinite love. And this was a kind of love that I didn't know. You know, I, I am a father and I have three daughters. And I would say here in, in this human life, there is no bigger love than the love to your own children. And the love that I felt at that moment was far beyond. It was infinite. It was divine. Or I don't know which word I could use to describe it. And I had tears from joy running down my face. And what else did I do? I, I, I perceived light. I perceived light. It was just like as if light was shining out of every single cell of my body and the whole universe was shining and it felt, and it felt so, um, how should I explain it? it? It was so beautiful. It was overwhelming. And it felt like home. I, I, I couldn't see anything. So there was no visualization or something like that. It just felt like, wow, I'm so happy here. I'm, I'm back home and I was not alone. I felt that there is another consciousness approaching me from the outside or a soul or whatever I should call it. I didn't know exactly who or what it was, but I knew there is someone else and I am loved. I am loved by, by this soul or... or whatever it was. And um, yeah, I didn't really question it in any way because all this came to me in such a realness and in such a pithiness. And not for a single second did I doubt this experience because it was so real, just as real as if you were hitting me or you were pulling my hair. So this was real, no doubt about it. You said that you saw light, but then you kind of didn't see the light with your eyes. Can you clear that up for me? Did you have your eyes closed and you were visualizing light or were you moved into some kind of like meditative state where you were seeing light? Well, my eyes were, were closed and I would say it was um, perceiving light. Mm. So I didn't see the light with my physical eyes, but I, I have perceived the light maybe it's a visualization and, and and i really was in some kind of meditative state that i would agree mm -hmm. yeah and and uh, until today or every single day i do meditate every evening and i can experience these feelings again and again every single day so it was not just a one-time experience i have learned how to meditate and I can feel this love again and again and, and this, this inner vibration and these goosebumps. So it was not just a one-time experience. You felt like it was another being that was about to contact right. you. Was that God or was it the girl? Well, at that moment, I didn't know who it really was. But I knew that there is, might be something like a spirit guide. But by now I know that it was Joma. Because I can, um, I can have contact to her every single day when I, I am meditating and I can recognize her because it's always the same pattern. I, so there's a, a special pattern when she's coming close to me. 
um, it, it starts with, with, with this vibration on my cheek and, and so on. So it's a very specific pattern. So it was a soul contact to Joma. But I didn't know that uh, at that moment who it was. So what happened next after that initial experience? In that moment, it was absolutely clear to me that my life would change without a question. So someone has opened the door to spirituality and I saw my new path. And without a doubt, I knew that I have to go this path. This was absolutely clear. But what was that? What did I feel? So I had a lot of question marks in my head, of course. And as I already said, I knew that these feelings didn't come from me. It was more like that a consciousness was approaching me from the outside. And uh, by now I know it was Joma. Mm -hmm. And I could not ignore or even erase this experience because it was, it was too intense. And mm -hmm. I was searching for answers. So I, I was reading books, books over books. I had read more books in a short period of time than I had read in 43 years before combined. And further answers I found um, from people who reported their near-death experiences because they report of very similar things. So I was obviously not the only one. Do you have any communication with Joma at this point? Well, I try to. <laughs> I try to. Um, sometimes I, I, um, I have uh, emotions. I can, I can perceive her emotions. I have uh, sometimes words in my head or images in my head. Um, but I'm not... I'm not a real good medium. A medium has other cap capabilities. So there's a real communication. You have a question, you, you get some kind of an answer. And for me, it is very difficult. But I, I would say I have taken a glimpse into this world. And I know how this communication can work. Because sometimes there is um, just a bit of a conversation. But when, I, when I'm asking a, a particular question, it's very difficult difficult to get an answer um, in, in most cases it's um, or, or the best communication is when I'm very emotional when I'm very sad or very happy or when there is a very important situation then I can sense or perceive her presence and I know she's there but there, there's no really communication with information And that's, that's make, uh, that makes me sad somehow because I really would like uh, to communicate with her, uh, just like uh, a phone call or something like that. But that's not possible for me. So if you look at this from your old self scientific way or scientific mm -hmm. point of view, how do you explain what happened? Do you think that you were in such a state of emotional sadness that she could somehow see you from the other side and reached out to you and helped you? I think the key is that I'm very, I'm a very empathic person. And this is the key to the spiritual world. I would say when you, when you're a very sensual person and you, you have, um, and you can perceive very subtle things, And is this a correct word, subtle? Yes. When, when things could be subtle, yes. Um, then yeah, the communication is much easier as if you're a person who really only lives in this material world. And I think that 
Joma's soul and my soul, we know each other. So there is some kind of, um, how do you call it, um, a contract. We had a contract in the spiritual world before we incarnated here on, the, on this planet. And I think um, she's helping me right now with, with several tasks, for example, um, researching the spiritual world. She may have been a member of your soul group. Yes, exactly. Well, my my um, media teacher, which uh, her, her name is Bettina Suvirode, she told me she might be my twin soul. Mm. And this is why our connection is so deep. And it would be very typical that you don't have um, or that you don't have a life here together on Earth. Twin souls never meet um, as human beings or even not for, for a long time. Um, and so maybe she is some kind uh, of a twin soul for me. Were you always such an emotional person or did this just happen the first time when you had your experience? No, I, I, I always was very, very emotional, always. Mm. Whenever I'm, I'm watching a TV show or a movie, I, I'm crying and <laughs> yes, okay. very emotional person. Hmm. Okay. Um, but there is a very, a very important topic um, because uh, I have visited two mediums with very interesting information um, because this was just the starting point, mm -hmm. um, this, this uh, experience. I, I needed more answers, so I booked an appointment for, for an aura reading with a medium. I just wanted to exchange a little bit by conversation. Uh, that was the idea, so I really didn't want to book an aura reading but it was the only chance to get into contact with that medium so four months after the accident i sat in the medium's office for that aura reading and uh, she didn't know anything about me except my phone number my, my first name and that's it and uh, then she started with the aura reading but the aura reading more or less did not take place at all because after five minutes uh, the, the medium said to me oliver i'm sorry but I cannot see anything. There is nothing more I can tell you. And at first, I really was very disappointed, of course. But somehow, I also was very happy about it, Jeff, because my heart was obviously reaching out for some, something else. And I just, just didn't know exactly what it was. And uh, the medium then said, Oliver, now I'm opening for the spiritual world. So she had some kind of an on-off switch for the spiritual world, and then she switched on. And uh, yeah, suddenly this, this aura reading uh, developed into something like an afterlife contact. And the medium said to me, Oliver, I can see a girl who's showing me that she, she died in a bicycle accident. Do you understand this? And I looked at her in amazement, and I said, yeah, of course, I, I do. And I was so happy, but I, I, I thought to myself, Oliver, how could this be? I, I'm a stranger to Joma. I'm not entitled to any afterlife contact uh, with her. So what's happening here? But it felt so good. And uh, then I knew that it, I obviously came there exactly for that reason. Um, the girl proved herself as well as she could. Um, I mean, I didn't know much about her, but the medium described her outward appearances um, the color of her hair, her size, and everything was correct, what she has told me. And then the medium said, I see her riding a horse. 
I didn't know much about Joma, but I knew that she was a passionate horse rider. So I confirmed it. And that was wonderful proof. Because even if the medium had done some re research on the internet, she never would have found any information um, of Joma because there is no connection between me and her. Mm -hmm. And now comes, comes the most important point. Namely, the, the medium said, now the girl is showing me two number ones. And she emphasized that it was not an 11. So really two number ones. And I, I couldn't do anything with this information. I checked uh, the date of birth, the phone number, the address, zip code, everything, but not, nothing matched. And the medium said, Oliver, it's no problem. This happens quite a lot. And usually things like that clear up afterwards. And she was totally right because after the sitting, I asked Joma's parents, I visited her parents, and I asked her mother about the two number ones. And she didn't know what they could mean either. So I was really very disappointed. But when I told her that Joma was showing herself riding a horse just before that, this changed the situation. And Joma's mother looked at me in amazement and she explained, okay, now I understand it. Because shortly before her accident, Joma won first play, place twice in an equestrian tournament. And Jeff and I can't tell you how powerful this moment was. Because where should this information have come from? This is a highly specific information and the mother and, and, and Joma's mother could verify this information. So neither the medium nor I um, did know the information. But her mother, Joma's mother, she could uh, verify this information. And this is the most important part of our study. So we were searching for messages transmitted during a sitting that could not be verified immediately during the sitting, which have to be verified afterwards. And then they turn out to be true. Wow, okay, that's amazing. So really utterly overwhelming moment. <laughs> so for me, it is obvious and the only permissible conclusion that this information or this piece of information came from Joma. And I'm pretty sure that her consciousness is apparently still there. And as I already said, this kind of evidence is the most important building block in our ERIM study. How did Joma's parents react to you when you presented them with this information? Well, it's, it's difficult because I didn't know the parents, um, uh, at that moment. So I somehow knocked at their door and said, hi, here I am. I have a message here. <laughs> so um, it was a very specific situation. Um, so they are not religious. They are, I would say they are atheists. But as I told the story of the two number ones, I have seen it in her eyes, in, in, in her mother's eyes, that suddenly she was very surprised and maybe this was the starting point for her to consider that um, maybe there is more so that there is evidence and i hope that i could help her i'm not sure if if, if i really succeeded but maybe it was for her the first step into a spiritual world and the first step back to her daughter have any other spirits or souls out there contacted you and if not do you see a possibility of you at some point becoming a medium yourself and 
communicating with other spirits. Well, I, I was thinking about it to become a medium, but I'm not so talented. <laughs> um, that's why I uh, stopped my, my, my training because I had training with Bettina Zubirode, which is uh, the medium I made the IRIM study with. And I, I also had contact, for example, uh, with my grandfather, because when I am thinking of him and in, in, in a state of meditation, for example, there is some kind of a visualization and I, I really can see him. Um, and the pattern of his contact is different to the pattern of Joma. So when he is close to me, I can perceive goosebumps on the right side of my body. Mm. Okay, so there's another pattern and I can distinguish between different souls. But I'm not uh, talented enough to become a medium, I would say. Can you tell us about the second medium? I still was a skeptic scientist and this first sitting was overwhelming, but it did not convince me um, 100%. So I needed more evidence. And yeah, supposedly there was um, this previous life where I was the father of that girl. That's what the first medium has told me. Yeah, she told me, Oliver, the girl shows me that in a previous life, you once were the father of Joma and you had to witness, witness her death in that previous life. This is what the first medium has told me. So I went to the second medium who gave a seminar with the topic of reincarnation. And I thought, okay, this might be a good idea. And uh, the second medium is Bettina Zubirode, and she's living quite close to me here in, in the Ruhrgebiet, the Ruhr area here in the western part of Germany. And there were about 25 people who participated in this seminar. And there was this introduction round, and I was the last one in line, and I was sitting uh, right next to Bettina. And after I just said my name and that I witnessed the accidental death of one of my daughter's classmates, she already interrupted me and she said, yes, Oliver, and the girl is standing right behind you. And um, she said um, that you were once her father in a previous life and that in that life you had to experience her early death, mm -hmm. but you shall not experience that again in this life. Okay, and then uh, I was very surprised. So I looked at her and I said, I, I couldn't believe it. Now, the second woman, a complete stranger to me, tells me exactly the same highly specific story about my previous life. And I can assure that the two mediums do not know each other. I can say that with certainty because I know Bettina right uh, by now very well. So they definitely do not know each other. And if the two mediums had told me that I once was Joma's father in a previous life, then I think it could have been explained by association. So according to the motto, well, let's tell uh, him that he once was her father, then he's happy. But it was different. Both mediums said independently from each other that I also had to experience her death in that previous life. And I think this is a very specific piece of information. Mm -hmm. And Bettina continued. She could tell unbelievable details about the accident. For example, that it was a truck, because I didn't tell her that it was a truck. I just said it was an accident. And she said it was a truck. She could tell me the color of the truck. And she could tell me where Joma died, that she did not die at that place, that she died in the afternoon in a hospital. And there were so many details. And the descriptions were so precise that I had 
uh, to ask Joma's parents to confirm all this. And I would say about 90% of the messages were correct. So you can't explain it from our materialistic worldview, what has happened there. And I could not ignore this. And I think such authentic messages from the beyond are so comforting. Mm -hmm. And I, I met uh, so many other morning people, especially parents who have lost their child. And when you experience that these inconsolably suffer suffering people can suddenly smile again and yeah, th they somehow experience healing, then I would say this is one of the most beautiful experiences in my life. And exactly this consolation motivated me to, to start my research on afterlife contexts. Mm. So um, there, are, there are so many morning people who are stuck in their materialistic worldview. And I just thought when, when I can show them scientific evidence for the survival of our consciousness, even after the physical death, maybe I can uh, free them from their grief. And, and, and this is my motivation. This is why I have started the Irium study. Can you go a little bit deeper into the Irium study for us? Yes, IRIMS is an acronym. It stands for Empirical Research of the Effectiveness and Authenticity of Messages from Spirit, where spirit is spiritual world. And this is the world's largest study on afterlife contexts by mediumships, uh, by mediumship with uh, 243 participants. In the first survey, we had to interrupt the study due to the pandemic situation. But um, in the last year, we decided to continue our study. And by now, we almost have 400 participants. Our goal is to reach 500, maybe one day, even 1,000 participants. And, uh, well, it's an international study. We had participants from uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, of course. There were um, clients from Spain, France, Luxembourg, Denmark, United States of America, so from everywhere. And uh, Bettina and I, we are the initiators of the study. Um, there were four members. We brought in a second medium. Her name is Tanja Schlömer, here from Germany. And they both are full-time mediums. And uh, number four is a psychotherapist. Her name is Katrin Stefan from Tübingen, here in, in the south of Germany. And she has over 20 years of professional experience in dealing with mourners. And Tanja and Bettina together have given over 10,000 sittings. So I would say we really have brought enormous experience and expertise in uh, this area uh, of, of the study. And uh, now I'd like to tell you something about the study design. So what did we do? Yeah. Um, no research funds were available for us. So we had to see how we could integrate uh, the study into our normal working day. We basically used the very normal sittings that were booked uh, with the two mediums. And we used the scientific methodology of a questionnaire. It was a short questionnaire, just 13 questions. So why did we do that? Because most of the clients are or were still in deep grief. And we didn't want them to answer 200 or 300 questions. I know there are other studies out there with 200 or 300 questions and they had to answer, answer for hours and we wanted to avoid this. That's why we asked them only the most important questions. So after five to 15 minutes, they could finish this questionnaire. And we didn't interview them immediately after the appointment, but we waited three to four weeks before we sent out the questionnaire. So why did we do that? And there are two reasons for that. 
Um, the first reason is that right after a sitting, it can be that you're very euphoric and you're so happy. And then the people will always stick very good, very good in the questionnaire. But then after a, a while, maybe they reflect the sitting and they find out, oh, this could have been researched or something like that. And, or, or then doubts arise after all. And um, in my lectures, I usually present a sequence of the Netflix documentation series Surviving Death. I think this is also available in the United States. Um, okay, you, you know that, that series. In episode three, there is a medium from the Netherlands. Her name is Nicole de Haas. And she's giving a sitting, um, a spiritual session, and there is this family in the living room. And she says, I see a green car, green like a frog. And she, she says to the family, um, you like fish, you sell fish. And she, she said a typical phrase would be, hook it up. And the whole family was very surprised. They look at each other in amazement because everything of this was true. There was a man in that family who really had a green car, a green sports car. And the family is the owner of a fish restaurant, so they do sell fish. And they have um, a menu card, and on that menu card is a phrase, hook it up. So everything was right. But after a short period of time, they found out, hey, when, I, uh, when I'm searching um, my name on Instagram, you can find my Instagram profile, and there, there you can see... Uh, photographs of this green car and when you google the family's name on the internet then you find um, the homepage with the restaurant and there you can see okay they are selling fish and then you, then there you can find the menu card with hook it up mm -hmm. so the whole the entire sitting was completely worthless evidence that can be researched publicly is completely worthless And I don't want to say that Nicole de Haas has cheated here in the sitting. I, I just want to say that this kind of evidence is not convincing. And you, and with you, I mean um, you as a client, you can protect yourself a little by registering with a false name. That's what I always say. When you book an appointment with a medium, use a false name and use an email address, address that you would not usually use. Just use an email address of your friend or, or a new email address. That's a good idea. Okay. And this was the first reason. There was um, a second reason for why we waited three to four weeks before we sent out the questionnaire. And uh, that reason is that we wanted to check those kind of messages that only could be verified afterwards. That means messages that neither the medium nor the sitter could know about. The sitter is the client, the person who gets um, Uh, the information. Um, so just like Joma's message with the two number ones. So the sitter needs time to verify the messages. And um, I will go into this topic in more detail a bit later when we talk about the results of, this, of the story. Okay, this is just a, a brief information so that you know why we waited three to four weeks. Okay, then let's talk about our, about our research questions. And the first and most important research question relates to the authenticity of the messages transmitted. That is, in how far can we be really sure that the message 
really is from the deceased one and is not the result of psychological tricks such as code reading. Um, maybe I, I explain this, this expression code reading, um, which is, um, um, yeah, uh, or code reading um, is um, psychological techniques to pretend that you are giving a message which uh, comes right from the beyond. For example, you're, you're, um, you're watching the client, you're watching the clothes uh, they wear or the jewelry they wear, the way they speak and what they say between the lines. And then you, um, you draw conclusions um, out of, uh, of the situation. And then you just um, give the impression of giving the message right from the beyond. But there's a problem with, um, with code reading because you cannot leave this general level. There's not, there's, you, you can't reach highly specific information. You have just uh, general pieces of information. For example, there is something called like Barnum effects um, or rainbow ruse. Rainbow ruse would be that you say um, uh, the, de the deceased one was a very happy person, but there were times in, in his life where he was very sad. Okay, so there are both sides of an emotion in it. And just ima imagine the situation um, there is um, there, there are parents who have lost their child and the medium would say, oh, I, I can perceive your child and your child was a very happy child. But there yeah. were days where your child was very sad. Yeah. Do you really think that that you can convince any father or mom with, with such a kind of information? I, I don't think so. <laughs> OK, well, this is cold reading, psychological tricks. That's what skeptics always say this would be the reason for for a for a um, communication with the beyond. Okay, in other words, we concentrated on highly specific pieces of information. So we have distinguished between two categories, two categories of evidence, and the first category is about such evidence that the sitter can immediately confirm during the sitting. That means we are talking about things that the bereaved person also knows about. And the, con uh, the corresponding question in the questionnaire was, could the medium report specific events or facts that it could not possibly have known? Okay, this was the question in the questionnaire. And I'd like to share some examples with you so that you know what, what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And the first example comes from a mother who lost her daughter. And this is what she has written in the comment section of the questionnaire. She's written... Um, the medium also knew that I had lost two unborn babies. That also was correct. She even saw the pets, a rabbit and a fish of the deceased. What girl has a single fish as a pet? You certainly can't just guess that. That's what she said. Or another example. Mm. I was told the exact cause of death, namely suicide by carbon monoxide. And it's not like that uh, there is the medium sitting opposite the client and listing all causes of death, heart attack, cancer, and this and this. And number 20 is suicide by carbon monoxide. And then the client says, yes, right, now I believe in it. No, it's just like the medium directly knows, okay, I, I can perceive it, it, it was a, a suicide by carbon monoxide. Okay, because this is convincing. Mm -hmm. 
or items that were placed in the coffin could be listed, or the content of the letter that was placed in the coffin for the deceased could be reproduced, or the medium could imitate the speech impediment of the deceased. So where where should this information come from when you when you can um, imitate a speech impediment? Okay, so now you have have a feeling of what kind of ev evidence we are talking about here. And over 90% of the participants stated that they received such clear, highly specific evidence. And a further 8% answered rather yes. And the results on this question were so overwhelming that sometimes we were even happy about the bad results because we thought that no one would believe us later. Mm -hmm. Did you say earlier that this is the largest study of mediumship in the world? As far as I know, yes. Mm. Mm -hmm. There are other studies. Um, uh, for example, Evelyn Elsesser and Professor Chris Rowe from um, United Kingdom. Um, they also did a very uh, large study with more than a uh, thousand participants, as far as I know. But it was uh, not by mediumship. Mm -hmm. They just um, examined... Um, afterlife contacts um, from the bereaved, but not uh, with the help of a medium. So, so far your results are showing that 90% of your experiments are proving that afterlife mediumship contact is true. Yes, that's right. And it, it uh, doesn't matter if you're a, a skeptic person or not, because we, we also had 36 skeptic people in our study. So we have distinguished between several groups. There were persons um, um, who, who were already uh, convinced that, that there is a survival of our soul after physical death. And of course, there was a group who was very skeptical and there was a group um, um, of the hardcore skeptics. They, oh, they, right. they said, I absolutely do not believe in it. <laughs> and we had 36 people who were very skeptic and all of them gave the same answers than those who were um, convinced of it beforehand. So there is absolutely no difference between the groups. That's amazing, yeah, because I was going to ask if you had experimental subjects similar to that, and you gave me the answer. What about the proof that was verified afterwards? Okay, well, this type of evidence that I have mentioned is not necessarily sufficient to prove the deceased, because all this information is not only known to the deceased one, but also to the sitter. So no one could speculate that this information might have been obtained through a telepathic connection between the medium and the sitter, and not between the medium and the deceased one. That is why we have gone one step further, and we were looking for exactly such messages whose content could not be verified immediately, like the example with uh, two number ones and the two, one, uh, two first places in, in an equestrian tournament by, by Joma. So the sitters had to do some research on it. For example, ask, ask their relatives or, or read documents. And um, here we can also see that we could not have used blinding in our study because there are, of course, other studies that work with blinding. But blinding would mean that the medium would not see the client. They would and the, the, the medium would not speak to the client and um, the, the medium would give a sitting and the sitting is transcripted and the, the sitters have to read all the transcripts and to pick out the sitting which was meant for them. So this is how blinding would work. But imagine the situation 
in our study design, you have you would have trans transcripts with information that you do not know. So how could you recognize your own sitting when there is information in it that you have to verify afterwards? So our study design was not feasible with bl blinding. And I think um, there are studies, for example, Julie Beichel has um, published a study last year with 58 participants with, uh, with uh, uh, blinding. And I think our study is a wonderful complement to this study. So in combination, it's very, very powerful, I think. Um, and I just want to give you one last example for um, such a proof, which could be um, verified afterwards. And there was um, a mother who has lost her 13-year-old son. And she wrote in the comment section of the questionnaire that the medium told her that her son would show her his funeral and his favorite teacher was also there and he was wearing an orange jacket mm. and the parents didn't know because i i i had a phone call um, the boy's father was calling me and he said to me oliver i've seen this interview because i had an interview last year here in germany where i have told about this case he said i am the father of this boy and i'd like to tell you about some details He said to me, I was in, in a kind of a tunnel. So at the day of the funeral, there were 500 people uh, at the funeral. And the parents did not know who their son's favorite teacher was. So they had to ask the classmates about the favorite teacher. And then they asked the favorite teacher about the clothes he wore at the funeral. And the teacher said... I wore an orange jacket. So there is really some kind of a, cha a, a chain of events. And at the end of this chain, you find that this information is true. He really wore an orange jacket. And in my eyes, this is an objective verification. And by now, we have over 120 such cases in our study. When do you plan on publishing the study? And how do you think the scientific world will react to it? Well, the study is published, and I have decided to publish it in my own book, which was published in September 2021. It's currently only available in German. We are currently searching for an English publisher, and I have already um, made a notification list on my homepage, and there are already 350 people waiting for an email where I can tell them, okay, right now it's available in English, but we are still searching for, for an English publisher. And uh, yeah, that's where I have published my study and there you can read all the details. And I did it on purpose uh, in, in the book because my goal is not to reach the scientific world. I don't want to gain scientific reputation. Mm -hmm. I would rather say I... I'm endangering my reputation and, and I'm, I'm afraid of losing my job when I go to public with all these topics. Yeah. And uh, so my goal is to reach the people. So who could I have reached when I would have published my paper in, in, in a renowned journal? Maybe a few scientists, but right. uh, when it is a peer-reviewed journal, there wouldn't be a chance that it would have been published anyway. So that's why I have decided to show the people what I have done. Everything is transparent. Everybody could decide for himself it, 
if it is um, conclusive, if it is logical, what we have done. And um, yeah, that's why I have published it in my book. And it's really very successful here in the, in the German-speaking world. So it's a bestseller here in Germany, Austria and Switzerland. We are in the fourth edition and we started in September 2021. That's amazing. Congratulations. I think if you're especially showing these cases of children who have died, you will help a lot of grieving parents out there. That's my motivation, right? How does the German population in general view mediumship? Ooh, it's difficult to answer, I think. I think that there is some kind of a change in our, in our country. Um, I would say... There are a lot of people who are open to, to spirituality, but they, they are afraid to tell this in the neighborhood <laughs> or, to, to tell or, or to speak about it with their friends because uh, they're afraid that the, uh, the others think that they are gone mad or that they are crazy. That is why I think that my work is so important because when you have a scientific basis, you don't have to be afraid any longer to speak about it in public and um, in general i would say the church and the scientific world they are both very dogmatic in germany i don't know if it is the same in the united states perhaps mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, but in between there are a lot of people who are very open to the spiritual world but it's uh, nevertheless it's it's difficult difficult to be accepted here. I think we've gone so far in one direction of science that there are parts of the world that are ready for some type of spiritual reawakening. And I think you, you just have to deliver good arguments. This mm. is the most important thing. And when you're intelligent and you really read and you really read those books, because this is really a, pr a problem. I receive a lot of emails um, where other scientists... Um, um, are very skeptical and they criticize me. And when I ask them, have you read my book? Do you know my arguments? Mm -hmm. Then they say no. <laughs> and then I wonder why, why do you uh, criticize me when you do not even know my arguments? Right. And this is what I said. They are very dogmatic. But I would say 99% or even more of the emails that I receive are very positive, mm -hmm. even from the academy. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of PhD professors, um, even um, PhD, PhDs from biology, geology, and physics, teachers um, who are supporting me and say, this is really beautiful, a wonderful study, and uh, they want to support me. But when I ask them, okay, when you want to support me, just go on stage together with me and say here, we have evidence for spirituality, they are afraid. They say, yeah. no, I, I don't want to go into public with this topic. Now, you mentioned people emailing you. If my audience wants to email you and ask you questions, are you open to that? And if so, what's your email address? Yes, I'm absolutely open for it. And I'm receiving around about 20 emails each day. So it maybe takes a while mm -hmm. uh, until I can answer the emails. But I appreciate it. And uh, you can reach me um, on my homepage, which is... Uh, oliver-lazar.com mm. and there you can find um, a contact form or you can use my email address which is 
Um, info at oliver-lazar.com. All right, you've got the study out. You have the book. What is the title and where can they get it? On Amazon? The title is in German, Jenseits von Materie, which would be Beyond Matter in English. Mm -hmm. And it's available everywhere, especially on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And um, on Amazon, I have been the bestseller Number one in um, the category reincarnation and death for more than uh, 16 weeks. Oh, that's awesome. In, in, in Germany and Austria and Switzerland. That's awesome. Congratulations. So you have the book, you have the research. Do you have anything else going on that you want us to know about? Yes, there are some projects in, for, for this year. Um, I like to measure brainwaves because I have seen a video Uh, with um, Dr. Amen, who is a, a brain specialist from New York, and mm -hmm. he has done some measurements with uh, Teresa Caputo, Long Island medium from the United States. And I found it very interesting because there were delta waves in her brain during, uh, during the channeling. But uh, delta waves you usually have uh, in a deep trance, not when you're speaking. So... A skeptic would say, okay, all of this is code reading, but when you're doing code reading, you never would have delta waves in your brain. You, you'd rather have better waves or even higher waves in your brain. And this is my next project. Mm -hmm. So we will start this spring with several mediums here in Germany and in Switzerland. And we are measuring uh, EEG brain waves, and we'd like to uh, investigate on that. I think that would be a great idea. And I also think it would be great when you're meditating and you feel like you're contacting your father or, or Joma, it'd be great to run an EEG on you and see what kind of results you get. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? When we leave our physical body, what is left? I think it is the infinite love this is what we are this is what is left when we when we leave our physical body so our consciousness definitely survives dr lazar thank you for that message and thank you so much for doing the research i think you're doing very important work and thank you for joining us today i really appreciate you and have a great rest of your evening thank you very much jeff i appreciate it thank you Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.